0: Today on the show,
1: I'd like to welcome Corey Hahn, who is the author of Rituals of the Soul and founder of a community gathering place called Santosha Society, which is dedicated to travel, surfing, and the soulful. She hosts numerous trips around the world for hundreds of women who study Ayurveda, yoga, meditation, and all things related to soul growth, knowledge, and fulfillment. When she isn't traveling, she divides her time between Sri Lanka and Southern California. We have so much to talk about, so let's dive right into this, Corey, and welcome Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. Absolutely. So, Corey, I'd like to ask you a bit about your personal journey. Before we jump right into your professional aspects of your journey, can you tell us a bit about where you grew up and how some of these interests might have contributed to your professional journey?
2: Yes, great. Um, Oftentimes, I feel like that's the most interesting, even though I'm here promoting a book. People really love to hear about uh, my life, actually, just as a traveler and- um, so I grew up in Texas, actually, and lived a very, I'd say, normal life there, just going to school and living with my parents and ended up going to college. And soon after college, a friend offered to drive up to Alaska and, um, and, and take me along with her. Oh. So at 21, we hit the road and we were absolute city girls. We had no idea what we were doing. Even looking back on it, I'm so surprised on the drive up that we didn't have any situations with bears trying to get in the tent because we were eating food in our tent and, oh, and all these wow. things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so eventually we made it up to Alaska. And, and slowly over time, I learned um, how to live in the wilderness and um, was so inspired by it. I'd never really even seen a hiking trail. I, I truly came from the city and wow, um, didn't have any hiking boots. And so to me, it was a, a whole new world. And I ended up staying 12 years, working out in the native villages and the Alaska indigenous villages, taking small planes and um, all the little jobs I could find. Seasonal jobs are quite easy to find up here. So I started working. I'm um, just doing that just so I could be here. I just found that I loved it. And I met someone and we bought a house together and started doing the very, um, normal. I, I keep using the word normal, but which I wish I had another word to use, but, um, traditional, we, we, traditional yes, that works. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, what you've heard you're supposed to do. You right. meet someone and you buy a house and you get a job. So I started being a school teacher and, and just, kind of making this domestic life come into play. And about seven years after that, I realized that I was really unhappy and I wasn't sure what to do or where to go. And all I knew is I needed to go. (laughs) That this, it it was uncomfortable. And um, I, I wasn't, Happy in my in my situation, even though my partner was absolutely lovely, I couldn't even fault him for anything, and our house was so beautiful and so comfortable. But something inside of me really yearned to to do something different, and that's when I um, took off. I just left and started traveling, and found some work in Europe. I knew I wanted to go surf, so I ended up in Sri Lanka. And just started really fully becoming a full-time traveler in a way and um, just wandered around for a few years. And eventually that led me into Santosha Society and my new, my new life, I say, as a living in Asia and teaching yoga and meditation and, and now as a writer. So it, it evolved definitely from. <laughs>
1: wow, that is amazing how it evolved and that you had the courage just to go, just to pick up and go. Well, I think it you... took me a long
2: time to get that courage. Maybe right. I, I think I sat in that cabin in Alaska a long time working up that courage. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but there was something inside of you that was telling you, this is not exactly where I want to be, how I want to do things. So let me ask you the next question, because this will start unfolding as we go through these questions. So, You've written this amazing book, Rituals of the Soul. Can you tell the listeners about it and how this gives the reader a better understanding of yoga and how you integrated this into your life, as well as how this was part of that journey? Yes,
2: that's a good question. And even I wonder some of the answers to those questions as well. Because in ways, I feel that I channeled the book and so finding an an exact moment that that I decided to leave or that I wrote the book or that these revelations came to me. It's hard. I can't pinpoint that. Even last night I was trying to write out all the answers so clearly and poetically. And I was like, I just don't know how it all came to be, to be honest. But as soon as I got to Sri Lanka and I was surfing, there wasn't uh, much development as far as any, there were no yoga teachers around. There wasn't much, um, yoga and surfing like bali has a lot of this and places like costa rica and even other places in central america puerto rico there's a a scene of um yoga there where there's surf destinations but that hadn't really happened yet in sri lanka this is about the same time i found instagram and so i was just lonely i didn't meet anybody um there it was still quiet for tourists this is back about 2014 And I started just posting pictures, selfies of myself doing yoga. And I've had a personal yoga practice for 20 years, but I'd never really stepped out to start teaching that. And soon I found people contacting me saying, oh, can you just teach me class here and there? And I realized the demand. And through that, I also realized that I was actually a pretty good yoga teacher through these little um, classes I was teaching and private lessons. And so that's how I kind of jumped into my teaching life and Really allowed myself to to dive into studying the spiritual 100% uh, full time. No more playing around in Alaska mm-hmm. like I had working as a school teacher and this and that. Then I was I was really in it, and so slowly I had this idea to create a business to to gather with people because, like I said, I was lonely sitting in Sri Lanka and teaching yoga during these. I think I was there the first time for eight months, and and um, so yes, um, eventually. Though that I went from Sri Lanka to Bali, and right when I moved to Bali, I I just went on a visa run. I met my husband at the time and um, had a baby, and and we started just. I started growing in myself as a as a yogi through being a teacher, because isn't that what happens? Yeah. Truly, when you teach something, you learn it <laughs> <Absolutely>. deeply, <laughs> deeply, and, <laughs> <laughs> like you really understand what's happening, not just let me repeat these phrases or what
1: you know. Yeah, and you want mm-hmm. to become more knowledgeable about the craft, about what what's happening, because your students are going to ask you those questions, and they're going to test you, and they're going to really want to know and get deeper into the the methods and the techniques and the various rituals, so to speak. And you want to know what that is. And being a teacher you're a learner. So you want to learn and expand. Yeah, and so what's the best thing
2: we can do for ourselves? And you're right. So I started running yoga retreats um, soon after moving to Bali. So I kind of put my business in, in, um, into gear and started running lots of yoga retreats all around the world. And it was really exciting. It was scary. Another step of courage, most definitely, because I had was just giving it a go you know and had no idea what I was doing I had never been an influencer or sold anything off Instagram I'd been living in the woods you know what was I gonna do (laughs) um anyway so I I ran about 20 retreats and like you said I really learned my craft during that time and so I just had a wild hair one day and I can even look back to find the Instagram post and I had not much of a clue. I mean, I knew I was going to write about yoga, but I didn't know the details or that it would become this rituals of the soul book that it is today. But I just knew I wanted to write. So I started writing about um, like a science based research book on intuition. Mm -hmm. And I was just loving the science. So I would find reports on neuroplasticity and how the brain actually learns to wire together. And you can actually train your brain to be more positive and to be grateful And then I would learn about um, visualizations and I would find these stories to prove things. And it was like, I was writing a book on intuition, but I would, once again, I was learning to be intuitive and I would have these thoughts really. I I don't even know if they were thoughts because they were just this like message to look something up as I was writing this book on intuition. And it just kept sending me somewhere. And I take notes and next thing you know, it just evolved into this method that was suddenly clear in front of me. It, it came to me so intuitively. And so through that, I learned how all these little practices I had learned over the years um, from Tibetan Buddhist meditations to moving the body to yin yoga to neuroplasticity, even scientific things. Um techniques and psychotherapy. And I, I knew all these different topics, but how did that tie into yoga? And so for the first time after 20 years studying this spiritual science, I saw yoga as a whole, and I saw it as an eight step system. And so I started looking through that and I read through all of the yoga sutras to look for where intuition comes into play. And I found that actually that's what the system, the stairway, is guiding us to do is to listen to our soul and to live our life from that voice. Right. And at this point, now I'm a mother. So after I started this and started channeling this, and I, and I do believe that that happened not coincidentally, because we talk a lot about creativity and spaciousness, and that's where you really let your art flow from. Well, I had a baby in my belly, so I had a very spacious um, solar plexus, right? <laughs> like my, I was. Right you become incredibly intuitive as is as a, a pregnant woman and also as an, a mother because you're learning to listen to your intuition how to raise your child there is there are many books but you know that you you are your own book when it comes to parenting most definitely and understanding your child so it all tied in with that and um But I realized I didn't have a lot of time. I couldn't, I always believed that I needed to do two hours, one hour of meditation and one hour of physical practice to have a yoga practice. And I realized I didn't have that time. And I also had a cesarean section. I couldn't move the way I did. So suddenly everything became off the mat. And I realized if this is a system to become intuitive and to liberate myself from pain, my physical body isn't actually where most of the pain lives. It's, it's in my mind. Mm-hmm. And so when I looked at those steps for healing my mind, for guiding me through this journey of life, it all made so much more sense to integrate intentions and purpose and meaning through small daily intentions or uh, small daily rituals. I'm sorry. Oh. And so then it was just, aha. Uh-huh, okay. And, um, from there I had the basis of the book and, and luckily there's amazing people out in the world that help you to refine and, um, clean up, um, what I had into what it is now. And so it's, um, it's, it's been such a process and a beautiful, beautiful learning experience for me on how to use yoga and also how to let others help me and, um, just personal and professionally, it's been a profound journey.
1: Oh, I'm sure. And it sounds like it. It sounds like there's so much learning and growth in this process and that you really were challenged in a way to open up and to be vulnerable in many aspects of you have these ideas and just writing and having people read your stuff is being vulnerable, going on the journey that you went on is being vulnerable and courageous. And you did all of it. And then you thought, I want to put this into a book somehow. I love this. How do I apply the theory and the practical aspects of this and the holistic pras- practices and bring that all together? And so, what was a challenge for you during this process? What was one of your biggest challenges? I would say understanding my own worth and trusting
2: myself and finding my confidence to to do anything I wanted to do. Um I think so many steps of the way it's just There's a little voice in many of us that a critical inner asshole, if you will, that's just saying, no, you can't really do that. You don't really know that. And and to step beyond that, to stop letting, um, there's a chapter in my book on blockages and really to see those blockages for what they are, for fear um, or insecurity and, and to move past that. Right. And even I'm still realizing that because the past month I had so much fear. I, now I'm based in, I am I just came up to Alaska where I lived for so long, as I told you, shared. But I was so scared to come back up here just to visit, just to stay for a, a month or two to see friends. There was so much fear of stepping into my past life, of living all the old grief and pain that I left here. And and I had to see that for what it was, because in my mind, I was telling myself that that was a sign from the universe and that that was my intuition speaking. And it was like, no, it's not your intuition. That's fear. <laughs> mm. And so differentiating that really, so you can step beyond that because I would imagine that even Beyonce gets a little bit of stage fright before she goes on stage. I mean, maybe right. not at this point, but there must be some nerves before you, every time before you share your creative endeavors or you create, or you share doing something outside of the box or doing something outside of the norm, yeah. there's always going to be a little bit of resistance there. And I think learning to not listen to that's been and the best thing yeah. that I've done for myself. <laughs>
1: kind of leaning into that resistance, because once you do that, a lot of times, it's almost like that whole idea of control and thinking you can control everything. And in actuality, when you're there in that space, you're actually spinning more out of control than you realize. And sometimes Mm. if you just allow yourself to just get into what you're fearing or your courage, it kind of releases you from having to feel like, oh. I have to manage everything that's swirling around me and that exterior noise. And it's like, a lot of times when you just lean in and just go, okay, I'm going to let it go. And I'm just going to see what happens. It's like the magic enters. That's when the magic enters. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So as I move on, when you think about this book, it has the capacity of supporting so many in their physical and mental wellness in areas of meditation, breath work, mindset, focus, and so much more. Can you touch on your eight step strategy in this book briefly?
2: Um, yes, sure. Let's, let's do that. So the first two steps that the yogis gave us are the yamas and the niyamas. And they're really just guidelines. So they're rules. And um, I don't want to go into that long. And that's often people get a little bit lost in those first two steps. So I wrote them at the beginning of the book, but I, I almost encourage people to just come back to those later when they have a better understanding of the whole system. Mm-hmm. And those yamas are things like don't steal, um, you know, respect your life, uh, don't lie, basic rules, they, similar to the 10 commandments. So just how to live an honest, truthful life. And then the the second step are the niyamas. And these are our values and things that we can focus on to be a spiritual being. Tapas is one of those. So like a fiery passion. So really learning to listen to that fiery passion within you. Santosha is one of those contentment, truly doing what's going to make you happy and really tapping into that. So once you have calmed your mind and you get into this calm place and your nervous system isn't running on overdrive anymore and you've moved through the yogic system, it's easy when you're having a hard time to make a decision. I always say, come back to those values, those niyamas and um, use those to guide your decisions. And that should make it much easier.
1: It's really interesting how that second phase are your values. And I always talk about values being such a a foundational aspect of from where you launch, but I like how you say, come back to it, you know, because you'll understand it once you go through the whole process. So that's really interesting.
2: I think they're harder to understand before. Like one of them is, um, Isvara Pranayama, and I might say these wrong. Um, I tried to really take those Sanskrit words and, Mm -hmm. and make them usable in my book. So we don't, we don't go into the Sanskrit a lot, but one of the um, Niyamas is to study the self, to know thyself. And how can you even have an idea what that is if you've never stopped and created space and listen to yourself. So they're quite difficult concepts until you see the rest of the yogic path. Mm-hmm. So let's jump into those then since, Certainly. um, that's really where the tangible practices start happening and where the change can take place and the first place I encourage everyone that doesn't know what they're where they're supposed to be or what they're doing or they're having nervous breakdowns and they're not sure to be in their relationship you start in the, at that third stage which is asana and most people that do yoga think of asana as this vinyasa on the yoga mat wearing lululemon, you know, like very physical practice. And in, I based my entire book on this, the sutras, there's 196 ancient sutras that explains the entire method of yoga. And there's only one sutra in all of those one aphorism, I should say. And it's just to have a steady and comfortable posture. Mm. That's it. All it's telling us to do with our physical body in this ancient book is to be comfortable, to relax, to release tightness. You don't have to put your legs behind your head. You don't have to do the splits. You don't even have to have a yoga mat. It just wants you to look at every posture your body makes today and realize where the tension and the tightness and the stress is coming in. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you can realize when I'm around certain people, I feel really tight. Mm Okay. Okay. So to start creating space from what feels yucky, what feels like an energy sucker. And that's what I believe the first thing we're meant to do is to create space because there is a point. If you create enough space with anything, anything, you can become appreciative of it again. And if you're not appreciative of things that in your life, like your partner right now, because a lot of people should I stay or should I leave? I'm like, just create space and figure it out. All you have to do is create space. So that's Mm. really the starting point. And for, for any kind of journey to know yourself or in yoga or meditation is to really create that space. And also many people will use the excuse. I'm just so busy. I don't have the time. And I think that's really comes back down to that first lesson that the Yogi's gave us. How can you create time? Because many of us use distraction and busyness as a way to avoid seeing our trauma and our pain. And so this is Kind of the, the cure to that in a way. Yeah. So once you start creating that space, the next step is pranayama and moving into a, a more subtler awareness of yourself and through the breath and learning to concentrate the mind. And to be honest, I come from a family where many people believe in feel that they have a ADHD, like my, my mother, my sister, and, and many people in my family feels that they have a hard time concentrating. Mm -hmm. And I also did too, but this next step, when I found meditation, which is pranayama, the same thing that learning to focus on the breath, I learned to concentrate my mind and I learned to focus and sit and and feel into that spaciousness that I had just created in a way. Mm -hmm. So that's the next step from that space. You learn to, to focus Right. And the more you learn to focus the brain even um, and your eyesight on it, one point or anything, you, you can focus in so many different ways. And I go into all the practices and ways mm-hmm. in, within the book. But um, since we, we don't have time for me to read the whole <laughs> okay. thing, we'll get yeah, going. Right. But from that focused awareness, you can learn to tap in beneath the surface, beneath that subtle breath layer into the even more subtle, into the the feeling layer. And the more you learn to concentrate, the the deeper you can go with that. Mm -hmm. And that's um, Pratyahara is what that called. It's called sense withdrawal. And it's really learning to take that awareness that you learned that through breathing and through meditation and, and feel what's there and this is this is these first five stages that i just explained are truly the basis for how we become intuitive how we learn to feel within how we learn not only to feel our trauma because we are going to feel that as we become intuitive we are going to realize everything that's living within us sure. intuition as well as our pains and not just pains from childhood or but also maybe past lives we we don't always know why or how these feelings got trapped inside of us. Sometimes our analytical mind loves to want to work that out. But in this yoga tradition, it's really saying, just try to move within and and sit with that. And so I take those first five stages and, and we create a set of rituals called the intuition rituals. And if you do these daily practices of creating space, learning to focus and concentrate, to be mindful with breathing and breathing practices, and then to truly dive in and to feel you will become intuitive. You will know what your soul is asking from you. And this is, um, one of my, my favorite things is that you, you can do this every day with little intentions. You just do those three things and they don't even sound that hard as I sit here and explain it to you. Mm. And then from that, there's um, two more stages, which is Dharana. And it's more of, um, This is the same thing as that breathing awareness that I told you earlier, but we really learn in this next step, the blockages that I told you about. You start to see that trauma and that pain and way that you are subconsciously reacting to that. Mm -hmm. And the yogis even broke those blockages down to say, we do so create so much of our pain and we don't go after our intuition so often just because of fear or insecurity, the blockages I told you earlier, really finding that courage. And so we move through those typical um, hindrances, they call them, or veils that are blocking us from seeing our truth. And once you really know what those blockages are, and you can see them and be aware of them, you don't have to live from them anymore. You can just say, like I did the other day, I'm obviously incredibly nervous, but I'm still going to get on this flight to Alaska. Mm-hmm. And that really helps you to become quite a powerful manifester for what you want. And um, which leads me to the second to the last stage, which is Diana, And that's really about this entire process isn't to manifest, to create something. It's um, to see yourself as, as a God truly. And that's what that, uh, the almost the final to last The second to last step is, is doing this work to see yourself as a God, to become spiritual, to find your spiritual self. And um, because if you want to become intuitive and then you have a dream and you get rid of your blockages, and this is all for the material purpose of writing a book for say, then you're using this for ego, you know? So that final step is where you really learn to say, okay, I'm putting my hands up into the air. I'm not going to do this for ego. I'm not going to try to control when or how it happens, but I just know that I'm doing this because I love it and I want to, and I'm learning about myself. And then there are moments when you get to Samadhi, when everything just makes sense. It all comes together. It's a a moment of manifestation. And as we learn to use the eight step cycle, to manifest, maybe you do manifest ego dreams, like a book or a cabin or money. And that's fine. But if you are learning how those eight steps work, then you can come back and use that same process to manifest enlightenment, Zion, Shangri-La, whatever you want. So in your mind, you're like, I believe it's possible now because I see a path. It worked for me with my business. It worked with me for my book. It's worked with me Coming here and having house sitting gigs to use right now, you know, just yeah. and then you realize, okay, this is actually really working. Why wouldn't it work for my liberation? Why wouldn't it work to heal, and and, and as a spiritual path? So, yeah, uh, that's
1: those are the eight steps summed up in a well in a cup of coffee. <laughs> that is fantastic. I wanted to hear about those eight steps, and this is so enlightening and. There's so much to learn here. As I said, in the question, it has the capacity to help so many people. If they just dive into this book many times, like those last three steps, when you said they sound so easy yet, it's sometimes those easy, most practical steps we forget to take that lead to so much growth that allow us to, as you said, really open up to that intuition. And then the changes start happening because we've got those steps. And many times people don't even know how to take those first steps. So I like what you said about going through those eight steps. Those first two steps are like the foundational, but once you start going through the rest of those additional steps, come back to those first two steps and you'll be able to grasp those ideas more wholly. So I just love the practicality and the the steps that you've given here. And yet there's depth to it because of the science and the neuroplasticity and the history that goes into the practice of rituals of the soul. So this is exciting. This is so exciting. (laughs) So as we come to the close of the interview, my last question is always, if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be?
2: Oh, such a good question, isn't it? I would say to start with the space. You can't go wrong there. The only way to have anything new or to create any change in your life is to make room for that to happen. And even to make room, how many people are going to give me the excuse that oh, I've been waiting for years to read your book. I'm just so busy. I've got three kids. I've got my work and I'm thinking, yeah, you just sh- could have made a little bit of space. It would have helped, but to do anything you want to do really, we're constantly not doing what we want to do because of that space. So just start there. And, and even recently with, as I work through these A stages, time and time again with my own life, I'm really realizing how much self-love lives in that being able to make my own space, being able to nurture myself in the space I create and, and that's truly what we're, what we really want to learn is, is that worth and to value ourselves and to give ourselves what we need. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, the greatest thing we can do for our lives. But yeah. That also starts with space. It all starts with freeing up the energy suckers, freeing up what's toxic, getting out of that
1: stuckness. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. well, that's awesome. Well, thank you, Corey Hahn, for joining me on the thank Core you. Women podcast today. Thank you so much. Absolutely. You can connect with Corey Hahn at www.santoshasociety.com. You can pre-order her book, Rituals of the Soul on Amazon. And for further information about Corey, you can reach out to her publisher, New World Library.
0: Thank you for joining us on the CORE Women podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at CORE Women and on Twitter at CORE Women 1. For more about CORE Women and Dr. Watson, visit COREwomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great! Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love & Money Collective, a core women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at the life, Love, and Money.com.